if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. A few minutes ago, we we prayed for the health of our church family, the health uh, <clears throat> not just for COVID, but for just just general health. Uh, you know, it's so important that we 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 do that. We remember one another and and lift each other up in prayer. But let me encourage you to be praying for our nation as well. You know, it's not just a good idea to pray for our country. Uh, the last time I read this book, told me I had a, it was a command that I pray for my country. So spend some time every week lifting our elected officials up in prayer. Spend some time praying for our nation every week. Uh, it's it's an important part of what God would have us do in our prayer lives. First Corinthians in chapter three. <clears throat> uh, we'll be there in a minute, but I wanted to talk a little bit about our theme this year. Um, <clears throat> our theme this year is striving together. Uh, <clears throat> two very important words, but it, there's a goal in mind, and that is for the faith of the gospel. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. It comes from Philippians chapter 1 in verse 27, the, 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 la the last half of the verse. It says that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together uh, implies a, a cooperative team effort. You cannot strive together by yourself. You know, um, <clears throat> periodically I will have people tell me, especially when they find out I'm a pastor, they'll say, well, you know, I don't need to go to church to worship God. And is that is that a true statement? Okay, yeah, that's a true statement. You don't you don't have to go to church to worship God. The only problem is you won't. And Paul very clearly tells us that we are to strive together. You know the, the the New Testament church. Now, 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 let me stop right here because we're going to kind of be talking about this here in a few minutes. Does does the local church is it free from problems? Okay, I have I have been a part of since I've been saved. I've been a part of several different quote unquote local churches, and every one of them had problems. And Grace Baptist Church is no different. We, we you know, we're, anytime you, you, you put humans into anything, you're going to have problems. 
But kind of this morning, what we're going to be talking about, in a sense, is is how do, how do we do how do we do church right? You know, it, it is a it, it is a a a question that, that that Christians have been asking themselves for centuries. How do you do church right? Yes, I agree. Simply put, by striving together, we need each other to accomplish the goal. You can't do it by yourself. I can't do it by myself. We need each other. When Melanie and I moved here a little over 12 years ago, we had already picked out the name Grace Baptist Church, and I've I've told you this story, so I'm not I'm not going to go into it. Uh, uh, but um, <clears throat> but the 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 one name that we absolutely did not want to name Grace Baptist Church is we did not even consider naming this church Corinth Baptist Church. Now some of you might be sitting there thinking. So, and others maybe, others of you that know the Church of Corinth know why we didn't name the church Corinth Baptist Church because the the Church of Corinth and and there's two books of the Bible written by Paul to the Church of Corinth, and the Church of Corinth was. A sad place to say the least. Um, the, these these believers um, had lots of problems. Now, again, I want to I want to clarify: our church is not void of problems. There's not a church on the face of this earth that is void of problems. But what the problem that the the the, the Corinthians did <coughs> is that the problems that were within the church spread outside the church. So uh, it, it made the problem worse. And then you have so now you have a church that's trying to win people to Christ, and the unsaved world is looking at this this mess of a church, thinking, why would I want to go to church and have to struggle with the same problems in church that I have to struggle with on the outside? Because is is not a church a place where we are supposed to be able to go to get away from the problems of the world? Should not a church be a, a, a place of rest and, and, and a, a haven of sorts? See, the conflict within the church at Corinth boils down to one very specific problem. And that is unforgiveness. 
they were unwilling to forgive each other. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, Paul addresses this, this idea. He says, Daring any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust, and not before the saints. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world, and that, and if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that ye shall judge angels? How much more uh, things that pertain to this life, if then ye shall have judgments of things pertaining uh, to to this life? Set them to judge who are uh, least esteemed in the church. And speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brethren going, <coughs> excuse me, goeth uh, to law with brother and that <coughs> before the unbelievers. And so let, let me kind of put it to you this way. <coughs> the direct context of what Paul's talking about here was that the the within the church of Corinth there was conflict and instead of handling the conflict within the church Christians were taking other Christians to civil court and they were letting the ungodly judges settle issues that were spiritual and Paul says, don't, don't do that. How, how can an ungodly judge understand spiritual truth? He can't do it. So basically what Paul says is quit laundering your dirty laundry in the world. Deal with it in-house. But it all boils down to one incredibly simple problem, and that is unforgiveness. They were unwilling to forgive when a brother and sister in Christ hurt their feelings. When they didn't do what they thought that they were supposed to do. And don't sit in your seat piously thinking, I've never done that. We've all done it. And what Paul is telling the, 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 the Corinthian believers is, is, is <clears throat> you need to learn to forgive. There are three distinguishing characteristics of the church of Corinth. The first one is it was a dishonored church. A dishonored church. They were, they, some of these members were doing some incredibly vile things. 
sexual immorality was was prevalent within the church. Um, many of them would get uh, drunk in public, and then still others were using the grace of God for an excuse to do what they wanted to do. In other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ had not changed their lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, Paul says this, But take heed lest any, man, uh, any means this liberty of yours should be a uh, uh, stumbling block to them that are weak. They, it was a dishonored church. It was a divided church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 12, it says, Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. It was a divided church. See, what had, what had taken place, we're going to talk more about this in, in a few minutes, but what had taken place is there were four groups within the church that was struggling for leadership. They were all struggling to, to take over the leadership of the church. And these four groups had, had aligned themselves with these four men, Paul, Apollos, uh, Cephas, and Christ. Now, I would dare say, I don't know, but the last one, was probably the most pious of all. And, and instead of saying, hey, you know what? Uh, I don't follow Paul or Apollos or say, I follow Christ. They were probably the Pharisees of the, of the church. Now, are we supposed to follow Christ? Absolutely we are. But we're not supposed to do it in a divisive way. And that is exactly what these people were doing. So they, it was a divided church. <clears throat> and then number, number three, it was a disgraced church. It was a disgraced church. Instead of glorifying God, they were hindering the gospel because of the disgrace that they had brought on the name of Christ. And the sad thing is, they didn't even know it. They were so consumed with doing church their way instead of God's way, they didn't even know that they were causing a problem within the church. The title of my message this morning is Striving Together for the Cause of Christ. Striving Together for the Cause of Christ. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 3. Let's start reading in verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now uh, are ye able. For ye are, are, are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions uh, are not carnal, 
uh, and walk as men. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. <clears throat> thank you again for this day. and Lord, thank you for your love. And as we look at your word this morning, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, that you would put the words in my mouth and, and allow me the ability to communicate what you've put on my heart. I'm so thankful for Grace Baptist Church and the testimony that we have in our community. And I ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, that you would help us to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The Bible likens the local church uh, to a family. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I just said it. She proved she proved what I said is true. Our church our church should be a family. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. Now therefore Ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. A church should be a family. But it, it, but it, it also recognizes the individual parts of the family or the, the, or the individual parts of the body, so to speak. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 5, it says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members of one another. So what, what is a family? What, you know, a family is, a, is, a, is, an or, is a, um, not an organization, but I guess I'm going to call it that just for, for purpose of illustration. It's an organization made up of, multiple people now if your family is anything like our family um, you've got people in that organization that really kind of keep that organization colorful okay we've all got some of those do we not <clears throat> I've got a couple in my family Boy, they just liven things up when they show up. <clears throat> you know, and I mean, it wouldn't be a family without some of that, right? But, but for the most part, even though you always have some of those people, for the most part, a family should always get along. You know, for the, for the most part. I mean, you're going to have conflicts, you're going to have... Little little things and tips and stuff, but 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 typically, what happens within a family? I remember when I was I don't know, probably 11, 12 years old. 
my brother had to, had this 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 thing that it was his right to beat me up. Okay, he's three years older than me. You know, I mean, that's his birthright, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but I, I remember this one day. I got into a conflict at the ball field. Uh, <clears throat> I don't even remember now what happened, but anyway, I, I picked on a guy who was much bigger than me. And um, needless to say, I came out at the wrong end of that, of that conflict. And my brother found out about it. And you, you know what my brother did? He went, he went and found that guy. And I learned, I learned really quick, you know what, it may be his birthright to, to, to use me as a punching bag. But nobody had the right to come into our family and do, do harm to our family. I mean, my brother taught me that. And, and see, that's what family does. It's okay to, you know, and, and those of us that have been in the military, we like to take shots at, at each other for the different branches of the military and so on and so forth. But a civilian better not ever pick on anybody in the military. Why? Because we're family. It's a code. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to talk about point number one. <coughs> the church at Corinth I want to talk about their mistake. Paul here is pretty harsh in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He's pretty harsh on the church of Corinth. He, he says some pretty, pretty hard things. We're going to talk about them in a minute. But they, they, basically, they had made a, a critical mistake. What their mistake, simply put, was instead of striving together like we are told to, they were striving against each other. Now, what happens to a family when the members of the family are striving against each other? Yeah, you have, you have constant turmoil within the family, do you not? And, and the, family, the family will disintegrate. But if the family works together, it strives together, then there can be harmony, even though, even though there may not always be, be peace within the family, there will always be harmony. Does that make sense? I mean, you can have disagreements with people and still get along with them. And a church, a church is no different, but the, the mistake that they made was instead of striving together, they, they were striving against, thus going to the idea that they were unwilling to forgive one another. Huh. 
<coughs> Earlier I gave you the three distinguishing characteristics that defined the church at Corinth. They were dishonored, they were divided, and they were a disgrace. How did they get there? They got there because of wrong choices. They got there because they were more concerned about getting their way than they were for the cause of Christ. They were concerned about getting... Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's look at the three characteristics of their behavior. Three characteristics of their behavior. And Paul identifies all three of them in verse 3. He says, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions. The word envying here is the word jealousy. Uh, Probably in 21st century English, it would be the word jealousy. That's the closest word I could come up with. This idea of of, of being jealous, this envying that, that they had against one another. You know, one of the things, one of the characteristics about envy or jealousy is that it is, it is an inward problem that we have. Um, we can be jealous and nobody else know it. Because we can hide jealousy. So, I asked myself the question, what were they jealous of? And the, the, the truth is, we don't know. The, the, the Bible doesn't tell us what was driving the jealousy. But I do know this. We as human beings get jealous over the stupidest things. I, I, I have, well, I, I don't want to tell, I don't want to go into detail. Um, I've seen people get jealous over the stupidest things. I mean, I, I honestly could tell you, and, and you'd be going, no, yeah. And, and, the, and the crazy thing is, we all do it. Jealousy is that internal struggle that in Paul is describing what takes place in the what was taking place in the hearts of these people. They were jealous, and and <coughs> the psalmist describes that internal struggle for us in Psalm chapter uh, seventy-three, verses one through three. I I, I love this psalm uh, because it reminds me how human I am. It says, "Truly, God is good to Israel, for to." Such as are of the, uh, for, for, even to such as are of a clean heart. But, I love this but, but for me, but, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had nigh, had, had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Well, what's the psalmist saying here? 
he became jealous when he saw the, the, the foolish or the wicked of the world prospering. And he said, my feet almost slipped. And don't tell me you've never been there. Because if you think you've never been there, you just got there. And the psalmist is saying, you know, God is good to Israel. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And God is in control. And if there's ever been a time in our world, it is today where we can look back and we can say, God, why are the wicked prospering? And we can get on a slippery slope. And it all starts right here. Paul says, don't go down that road. Don't go down that road. The second thing we see here, we see envying, and then we see the word strife, or uh, uh, another word for it would be conflict, or or, uh, in essence, envying is what they felt, and strife is what they did. They were jealous toward one another. So instead of, instead of dealing with the jealousy, what did they do? They, they had conflict and arguments with each other over probably stupid things. They had conflict. And this conflict, <coughs> excuse me, uh, <coughs> is what <coughs> the word strife carries with it the idea of a outward manifestation of what's taking place within the heart. That's what this word strife means. Have you ever, have you ever had somebody, especially from, from your family, um, yell at you and say something to you that after you're done with this conversation, you look at them and say, okay, what's the real problem? Because oftentimes what happens is that conflict comes out and and we we as human beings like to disguise it as something else, but it always goes back to the root problem of unforgiveness. Jesus addresses this very specifically in Matthew chapter 12, verse uh, 34 to 37. It says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasures bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by the words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. 
For out of the heart the man speaketh. See, <clears throat> what was taking place here? The jealousy was what was taking place on the inside. The strife was just an outward manifestation of what was taking place in the hearts. And then thirdly, we see the division again. We talked about it earlier. We're going to talk about it again. Envy talks about what they felt. Strife talks about what they did. And divisions describe where they ended up. If these three things, if, if the first two things are let, are let undealt with in a church, it will always result in division. If these two things, strife and envy, are left unresolved within a family, it will always end in division. Verse 4. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and the other, I am of Apollos, are, are ye not carnal? Again, in, in, in chapter 1, uh, in verse 12, Paul said this, uh, Now this I say, uh, uh, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I, but I am of Christ. And, and what, what, what had happened? Because of the sin of unforgiveness and jealousy, conflict had taken place. And because conflict had taken place, everybody had taken sides. And there were, there were people who were saying, well, I'm better than you because I, I am aligning with this group of people. But I'm better than you because I'm aligning with this group of people. And then you get the ones that say, well, I'm better than all of you because I'm with Christ. And the pious religious garbage that takes place is a stench in the nostrils of an almighty God. Because division is taking place. And nowhere in Scripture are we, are we as a church commanded to divide up into groups and fight each other. It can't happen because we are told to strive together. Now, the reality is this. Our church is made up of a lot of different people with a lot of different backgrounds, and that's a good thing because we all have something different to bring to the table. If, if, a, church, if a church had all the same kind of people in it, then it would be a really boring church, wouldn't it? Well, it would be kind of nice for a pastor to pastor a church like that. <clears throat> What's really sad, though, is we see this division in churches all across our country today. And we wonder why the cause of Christ is being hindered. And what's really even probably more sad than that 
is oftentimes the people who are driving the division is the pastors. There are pastors that doctrinally would agree with me 100%. But because they went to a different school than I went to, they won't talk to me. Or because <clears throat> I don't wear a tie on Wednesday night. I, you, you laugh, but hey, they're out there. Well, what, what do you think would happen <clears throat> if I just, you know, came to a Sunday and I'm like, you know what, I don't feel like wearing a tie. You know? A lot there there are there are pastors out there that would write me off as a heretic. I am not exaggerating. Why? Because they're more concerned with their little groups than they are the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, I am far more concerned. Now, now, let me stop right here. I, 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 hopefully I don't go over time, but you know, I wear a, I wear a tie and, and a suit coat most, of, well, every Sunday, mainly because I believe God deserves my best. It has nothing to do with the fact that I have to wear a suit. That, that has nothing to do with it. Thank you. It, it's about my heart. And I want to give God my best. I, I remember years ago, I, I preached at a church way, way up in northern Nevada. A, a little church of 22 people. This has been 20 plus years ago. And the pastor told me, he said, he said, I hope you are not planning on wearing a suit and tie. And I, and I just went, okay, I was, but I, I don't have to. He said, don't. I said, why? He said, because our people, the best that they have is their, their, their most clean pair of blue jeans and their best Western shirt. I said, hey, I'm cool with that. Hey, just give God your best. Anyway, I don't know what got me off on that. I feel better now. But see, the problem is, when we get in our little groups, <coughs> then we get into, there's a new term out. At least it's new to me. <clears throat> I, I, I just over the last year or so, I've been hearing this term more often. And that is we get into our own echo chambers. And we surround ourselves with people that think like we think and dress like we dress and talk like what we, how we talk. And, and what we do is when someone outside our little cubicle does something, what do we do? <gasps> and Paul is saying, don't do that. We are to strive together, not strive against. 
And I'm not talking about going down the road of heresy and and rubbing shoulders with the Catholic Church. And that's not what I'm talking about, okay? But we're getting in at a day and time where we're desperately going to need each other. And I'm here to tell you, persecution of the church is coming. And if you don't believe that, I got a bridge for you that, that, that is for sale. And it goes over a beautiful swamp. And it goes nowhere. And, and it, you'll probably buy it. <laughs> persecution to the church is coming. And we need each other like never before. Romans chapter 6 and verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Get this. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying don't, don't, don't get in your little group and get isolated and do all of... That's not what Paul's saying here. But he says there are going to be people that are going to cause division. And they're the ones that are going to say, hey, if you don't do it my way, then you're, not against, then, then you're against God. No, 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 no. What, what's Paul say here? Let's read this. He says, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses. What? Contrary to what? Doctrine. In other words, <clears throat> if preferences are more important than doctrine, then you need to mark that person and have nothing to do with them. Because they're gonna, they're gonna, they are going to do nothing but cause problem. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. If there's division within a church, if there's division within a family, mark it down, pride has something to do with it. Number two. We, number one, we looked at their mistake. They just made bad choices. They allowed, they allowed unforgiveness to take over in their lives. Number two, and, I, and this, is, this, is, this is important. <clears throat> the conclusion about their behavior. What is, what is the conclusion? What, what did Paul, like I said, Paul was pretty harsh on these Corinthian believers. In verses 1 and 2, we see, we see what Paul has to say. He says, <clears throat> first off, he says, you're being childish. Look at verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Whether uh, for, (coughs) excuse me, for hither uh, to, uh, for hitherto ye were, were not able to bear it neither 
yet now are ye able. In other words, you were you're acting like a bunch of children. You know the 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 the, the truth is. A few minutes ago, we had this sweet little girl come up and knock over the mic stand and. Uh, you know, how old is she now? 15, 15 months. You know, and, and honestly, we, we all went, oh. You know, kids kids are so cool. Now, <clears throat> what do you think would have happened if Sean had gotten up and walked over here and knocked over the mic stand? <laughs> I don't think we all would have went, oh, isn't she isn't he cute? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'd have made it to the mic stand. Okay? Why why is that? Okay, well, no, he's I don't think he's quite taller than me, but he's getting close. Um the, the the thing is, she how old? Fifteen months. She's fifteen months, and he's fifteen years. Yeah, she doesn't know any better. She doesn't know. Now the the assumption is, you're fifteen, right? Fourteen. Okay, close, close enough. The assumption is, by the time you're fourteen, you know better. But when you're thir- when you're 15 months, man, you get away with murder. You know, we got this little princess walking around shaking hands with everybody and just having a good old time. Okay, the the, the reality is this. Okay, the, the reality is this. What Paul's saying here is, look, when you were babes in Christ and you were doing these things, hey, it was okay. But what happens when you grow? You're supposed to mature. And the reality is, if this little precious angel in in a in, yeah, I know she she knows what I'm talking about her. She's got to know. Um, if this little girl in ten years is still doing what she's doing right now, we are going to be really irritated. just okay why because there's an anticipation of growth and and maturity and the conclusion of their behavior is Paul basically is saying look you're you, you know it's time to grow up you know babies are supposed to be self-centered, temperamental, demanding, and pretty much no self-control. Babies. But 14-year-olds aren't supposed to act like that. And the problem is, many Christians have been saved for a long time and still act like that. And Paul's saying, it's time to grow up. 
the second thing he says, not only are they childish, but he uses the word carnal. Carnal. This is a a pretty harsh word. Um, Paul uses the word carnal in reference to the Corinthian church six times. Now, I I would hope, I, I would hope, if Paul was writing a letter to Grace Baptist Church, that word would not appear in a letter that he was writing us. I, I would hope, but the truth is, it probably would. Why? Because we are all consumed with the flesh. The, the word carnal literally means according to the flesh. What 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 the, what did, what do I want to do that makes me happy? What what is the things in this world that 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 make me happy? That's what I want to do, and that's what this church of Corinth was all about. <clears throat> See, they were more concerned about the external pleasures of life than with the internal relationships with Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22 and 24, it says uh, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true, holy, uh, true holiness. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10 and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. <clears throat> and let me, let me close with this. In, in Romans chapter 7 and 8, Paul describes three types of people. And, and this is important. We get this. The first one that he describes is he calls the spiritual man. The spiritual man. This is the person who is living with the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their lives, who's doing their best to walk with God. Now, it does not mean that they are perfect, but it is a person who is who is desiring to walk with God and doing everything that they can to put God first in their lives. The spiritual man. The third person that he talks about is the natural man. The natural man is the unsaved person who finds their attempts to satisfy God empty and and void of any purpose. The the natural man is the person who, who does everything on his own trying to get to heaven, if you would, on their own abilities. And then the third person that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 7 and 8 is what he calls the carnal man. The carnal man. This is the person who has saved, but has reverted back to the natural things. This is the carnal man, and this is what he is, uh, uh, the, the, it, it, I guess you could say the accusation that he's throwing 
at the Corinthian church as he's saying, you know what, you, you have tasted the things of God, but you are more concerned about the things of this world. You are now carnal. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither <clears throat> indeed can it can be. It is enmity with God. The carnal mind. And 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 the, the, the conflict that was taking place in the in the Corinthian church, it was all a result of jealousy. It was all a result of of, of a condition of the heart left uncontrolled, that turned into strife, that turned into division and caused conflict within the church. And Paul says, quit acting like you're a little baby. Grow up and turn to God. Now, I can honestly say, I almost, I almost did not preach this message because, to be perfectly honest, to my knowledge, there is no conflict in our church. Not that I know of. And if there is, you need to deal with it. But to my knowledge, there's no conflict. And I almost didn't preach this message because I, I thought to myself, our church doesn't need this. And you know what God said to me? Preach the word. Because the reality is, just as soon as I didn't preach this, Satan has stuck his ugly head in here and started causing problems. See, it starts with the heart. And when we let the matters of the heart fester and get out of control, then strife comes. And that strife turns to bitterness and bitterness into all kinds of problems and then division happens and then there's this group fighting against this group and then you know, uh, <clears throat> I had a I had a pastor friend, or excuse me, he wasn't a pastor; he was an evangelist friend of mine. Went to a church, and, and I'm not exaggerating. He went to a church, and as soon as he walked in the back door of the church, the the back door of the church was right in the center of the auditorium. He said, "You walked in the center of the auditorium, and there was a line right down the center of the auditorium. And on one side, the carpet was blue, and on the other side, the carpet was red." And he said, you had people that would come to that church for years that would only sit on the blue side. And then people would only sit on the right, red side. And there was a division within the church. And he said, I went into that church to preach a revival meeting. <coughs> and he asked the pastor about the carpet. And he said, and what, what had happened was many, many years earlier in a business meeting, Half the people wanted red carpet, half of them wanted blue carpet, and there was a big fight, so that's what they ended up doing. 
And <clears throat> he ended up preaching the revival. Revival broke out. And come to find out there was, and I'm not picking on women, this is, this is just the story. There were, behind the conflict, there was a woman on the red side and a woman on the blue side that were the main instigators, good word, and those two women got right with God. And you know what they ended up doing? Ripping it all out and putting in <laughs> putting in new carpet. I, I don't know what color it was. But, <laughs> but you know what? That ought not be. That ought not be. If I, was, if I were to pastor, I'd have left the carpet like that as a reminder of where you don't want to go back to. You know what? Grace Baptist Church needs to continue to grow and flourish. And the only way we're going to do that is by striving together. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. Forgiveness must not only be a part of our individual DNA, but forgiveness needs to be part of the DNA of Grace Baptist Church. Let's pray. Dear Lord,